I'm Dan, and I'm not here this week. Hey, everybody. It's your old pal Merlin, and uh, this is Back to Work, believe it or not. Uh, as you could probably tell, Dan's not here. Uh, I mean, he's not here on the program. I think he's alive, as far as I know. I sure hope so. Uh, best wishes, Dan. Uh, I think he's in Los Angeles or something. He's traveling, and uh, he was getting ready to travel this week. Uh, it was very hard for us to schedule a show, mainly because of me. Um, because I, as an American citizen and voter, uh, have been on and will continue to be on jury duty. Jury duty. That started on Tuesday. Um, it's been about uh, nine and a half hours a day, uh, all told. And uh, frankly, I'm, I'm fried. I, I, I'm, I'm literally insane from jury duty. There's a lot of fluorescent lights and lawyers and, uh, you know, uh, coffee you know, and you know, they give you recesses, but you don't get to pee as much as you'd like. Um, I think it's the first time since maybe high school that I've had to wear pants all day, um, every day through the uh, working week. And that's not my core competency, but anyhow, that, that's what happened. Uh, Dan, Dan is, Dan is, is alive and, and fine. And, uh, I, uh, I, I'm barely alive. I'm going to come back to the jury duty because, boy, it's really it's, – it's killing me right now. It's very important. It's a very important process. You know, this isn't one of those kangaroo courts like you get down in South – you know what? I've been, I've been admonished, like all of my fellow jurors, jurors, to not discuss the case or to form any opinion. So I, I probably shouldn't talk about much except for the fluorescent lights and the pants, but, but, but I'm going to come back to that. Anyway, I hope you can put up with this for one week. It's been a while since I've done a podcast where I just talk to myself. It's something I, I think I used to be pretty good at um, when I started doing the podcast for 43 Folders back in, let me just check, seven, eight, 1961, I started doing that podcast. And uh, I, I didn't know any other way to do it than, than to just talk to myself. And then I realized that there are other people that I could talk to. And so, uh, you know, I've done that sometimes. But, but for now, it's just, it's just me and you, as you say, uh, here on the program. And uh, we'll be back, uh, God willing, with, with, a, with a regular normal a completely inscrutable Dan and Merlin episode, uh, hopefully in the next week or so. So, um, so enough said. So, uh, let me start out with some fake follow up. Um, fake follow up um, number one. I learned about a book this week via Kevin Kelly's really cool site, Cool Tools, a site I can recommend. And uh, the book is called "So Good They Can't Ignore You." So good they can't ignore you. And, and like all books today, it has a, you know, a, a subheading, a subtitle. So good they can't ignore you. Why skills trump passion in the quest for work you love. And uh, I, have, I haven't read it yet, but, but I bought a copy, which is almost as good as reading it uh, these days. Um, and and uh, what I was going to suggest was I, I am going to read it, and I'm going to also suggest – Further to the point that uh, you guys grab a copy to the, sen- to the extent that you're interested in. You can get it on the iBooks. You can get it on a Kindle. And if you can find a bookstore that's still open, you could go there. And if they have it, you could buy a copy on, on paper. That's uh, still a thing you can do uh, that I've been told. Anyway, uh, check it out. So good they can't ignore you. Now, now, why am I recommending this? Well, I haven't read it, you know, so, so you know, I don't know if I'm really a plausible uh, source for recommending it. But uh, what I've read about it, <laughs> read about it so far makes me think that it's right up our alley. Um, and really right up the respective alley of Dan's other show. Well, one of Dan's other shows, uh, Quit, the show where he gets all angry and talks about work. Um, and I guess, I guess the premise of it is that, um, that, that doing work you love uh, can be kind of a red herring. Right, this idea of like you know finding your passion, your passion for what you do. Uh, that there are a lot of other things that you can do in the service of getting the kind of job that you would like. 
Um, and in a way that is very appealing to me, given that I haven't read it yet anyway, uh, that uh, this guy Cal Newport is saying uh, – I'll read you the quote here. Uh, Cal Newport debunks the long-held belief that, quote, follow your passion, unquote, is good advice. Not only is the cliche flawed pre-existing passions rare, little to do with what people want, lead to anxiety, and chronic job hopping. Nobody likes that. Anyway, um, if you want, go and uh, check it out. Grab yourself a copy of So Good They Can't Ignore You. Um, there are links to that in, uh, in show notes. Uh, Dan is not here, so I will tell you that if you want show notes for this program, go to 5by5.tv slash B2W. <laughs> go to... <laughs> 5by5.tv slash B2W. B as in boy, two is in the numeral W as in wackadoodle slash 124. And you will find uh, links to all of the things that uh, I'm talking about to myself here. Um, so check that out. Uh, other bits of follow-up. Um, uh, I got my comic recommendation this week. It's a quickie. It's uh, it's called Daredevil, End of Days. And it's really good. It's... Uh, who, who did that? I think it's uh, I think it's uh, Brian Michael Bendis, pretty sure, and uh, done by, with the uh, penciling by uh, Klaus Jansen, who, who's a Viking, and uh, Bill Sinkevich, whose name I always pronounce wrong, um, did the art finishing on it. I, I think it's it's all very confusing to me, um, but it's but it's really beautiful. It's a eight issue. Uh, uh, series on Daredevil uh, from the last year or so, and it's it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, as I get more into this comic stuff, I, I get really overwhelmed by all the crossovers. Um, I just I just got through the uh, all the Age of Ultron stuff, also by BMB, and, and frankly, I'm completely disoriented. All the multiverse stuff has me at Twitter. I uh, am very confused. There's another one. I think another crossover coming up called Infinity. I. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm completely lost at this point, and so I uh, I really enjoy something that's a limited series. Um, it makes it makes a lot more sense to me sometimes uh, because I know it's going to end, and uh, it, it probably won't involve uh, two or possibly three different Wolverines. No spoilers or cracks in the space time continuum. Um, anyway, I, you know I, I don't I don't want to be a hater because you know me I'm not a hater, but. Uh, but, but uh, anyway, check out Daredevil, End of Days. I'm going to look up one other thing here. Yeah, you know that Adventure Time show uh, we like to talk about? Uh, I saw a wonderful talk, a TEDx talk. A, a, a TEDx is like TED, but local. It's like a franchise thing. You know, you get the big McDonald's and then the little McDonald's. Uh, there's a wonderful uh, talk um, on the YouTube called A Time Travel a Time Traveler's Primer. And it's a talk by Ryan North, who's the guy who writes the primary Adventure Time comic. And uh, I, I had no idea what a smarty pants this guy is. He's got, I guess he's got degrees and stuff. He's from Canada, which is nice. And he does a great talk on uh, time travel and, and what would happen if you actually went back in time. Um, and not to spoil it, but, you know, basically how little you might actually be able to do if you didn't have things like a laptop. And you learn about pasteurization, which is a really handy thing to know about. So uh, check that out. I'll put that in show notes. Time Traveler's Primer with Ryan North. Very, very charming guy uh, and a wonderful uh, comic writer. Um, last week was really weird. Last week's episode uh, was uh, Dan, Dan and me uh, meeting for the first time and recording a show together, which was, which was really, really strange. It was awesome and really fun, and a lot of people seem to like that episode, episode 123 of this program. Streetcar. Um, but... It was very odd. Me- meeting Dan was strange. I- I've, told- I've said this before. I've said this to Dan. I don't- I'm not saying this behind his Los Angeles back. But um, Dan was pretty much exactly how I f- figured, expected that he would be. 
You know, he, he was he was inscrutable. He's very handsome. He's a he's a very little guy. He's like bigger than a Dinklage and uh, or a Wolverine, but I think he's smaller than a, than a Storm or a uh, you know a uh, Jeff Bridges. He's kind of in between. Very handsome guy. He wears clothes that fit. He wears the kind of shoes that ladies would like, and he has a penetrating stare that um, was left me a little bit unhinged and kept looking at me. It was really weird. I can still see it. Even when I sleep, I, I can see Dan staring at me. And um, I've just got to say, it was a wonderful experience, and I'm super glad that I, I don't have to see him looking at me all the time because it, it fills me with uh, guilt and doubt and, uh, and pain because I, th- I really think he knows me better than I know myself, which is you know not much. But it was really fun, and uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, it might be fun to go back. Um, we, we didn't really have a topic because, you know, by and large, Dan doesn't like me to prepare for these things. I'm kind of the John Syracuse of this show. You know, like he's – John's not allowed to prepare for the uh, Accidental Tech podcast, and then he does anyway. So I'm kind of like him in two ways, I guess. In every other way, I'm not really like John Syracuse. I mean, I, you know, uh, we, we, I think we both love our kids. We uh, use Macs, and um, – that's, I think, pretty much where it ends. He's way smarter than me. He doesn't like comics, and uh, he lives on the eastern seaboard. So it's, it's really amazing that, that we can have the kind of love that we have. Also, flu shots. I, I, I don't think flu shots really help you uh, not get a cold. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so like I say, this week has been nutty balls. Um, it's, it's, we have this really well-established schedule for the program where we uh, record on, uh, on Tuesdays. And uh, and then put it out on Tuesdays, and and everything's everything's been a mess trying to get this all set up. Because because here's here's what happened. Okay, I, I, I let's let, let me stipulate as as uh, attorneys say over and over and over and over. Let me stipulate for the record that uh, I I think the jury duty system is great. I think having a jury of your peers, of probably mostly your unemployed and retired peers, um, is a good thing. I've only been on – I've been called to jury duty many times, and I'm usually uh, not picked for the jury for, for all of the right reasons because basically uh, I look like a crazy homeless guy, and, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously reading a Spider-Man comic while I'm supposed to be paying attention to the voir dire process. And uh, I, I, you know what I said to myself this time? I'm going to go, and, and I'm going to do it right. I'm not going to act like I'm a Civil War buff. Um, I, I'm not going to act like, you know, I'm the kind of guy that like wears a rainbow wig and can't be trusted. I'm going to answer the questions. I'm going to be as honest as I can be. And then if I'm chosen, God willing, as an American, I will go through jury duty and I will do the best I can to listen to both sides, not form an opinion and follow all of the judge's uh, admonishments. And there are a lot of ad- admonishments, but, uh, here's what happened. So, so I, I, I told the anecdote during voir dire, you can look that up. Voir dire, I'll put that in show notes. That's when that's when the lawyers uh, try to find out if you're uh, uh, suitable for the jury, like if you're if you're crazy or uh, you know biased or whatever. And I, 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 the one time I got called to a, to an actual jury and like got to the point where we had to make a decision, it didn't go well. I didn't love it. You know, I, I felt really crummy about like how we had to decide. You got to follow the judge's rules, and I'd said so. So I thought, you know what? I, I'm being a good American. I'm going to this thing. I, I, I'm ready to, to be picked. I'm, I'm being honest, but obviously, I I, I look like a homeless guy. I, I'm reading Spider Man, and I've told you how frustrated I have been by jury experiences in the past. With that said, I said, you know what? This is going to be fine. 
And they said something that was a little blurry about how long they thought the trial would go. I guess I was not paying that much attention. Oh, and here's the other thing. I did not want to be that guy. I did not want to be that guy who tried to get out of jury duty. And so they say, the judge says, hey, you know, do, will any of you have a personal hardship, a personal hardship from having to do jury duty? And remember now, I'm in the mode where I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be a, a good human and do this. And I didn't want to be a punk ass B-I-T-C-H and, and try to weasel out by saying that I had personal hardship. Why did I do that? Because I did not want to take the hardship place of people who had like had to get surgery or uh, take their grandma to the chiropodist or whatever. I, I, you know, I didn't want to do it. So, so very long story, slightly shorter. <sighs> hours and hours and hours of this, uh, of this process. We get to the end. They send us out to urinate. We come back, and they're going to they're gonna let us know. And I got picked. I got picked. I, I had to go sit in a seat. I got a juror number. I sat down. And, and suddenly, it washed over me, like what I was really in for. And I actually looked at the calendar and saw that I was going to have to do this for probably two weeks. Two weeks of jury duty. Last time I was on jury duty and, like, got called, it was a day, okay? It was a day. It was a very silly case. I don't want to get into it, but, but uh, you know, last time I tried to be a good American, I, uh, I, it was a day. And I was super tired, and I came home, and uh, this is in the 90s, you know, because it was the style at the time. But uh, then I realized that I was going to have to do this for probably two full working weeks. Now, here's the thing. I live way out in a part of town where nobody lives. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a no person's land. I, you know, people will talk about San Francisco. When they talk about San Francisco, they're really talking about what? Chinatown, Castro, all those neighborhoods you've heard of. Nobody's ever heard of my neighborhood. Nobody's been to my neighborhood. My, uh, my then girlfriend and now wife, hopefully she'll, she'll be my wife for, for some time, she, she didn't even know my neighborhood existed, and she'd lived in town for like 10 years before that. She'd never been, certainly never been to my neighborhood because I live like 30 minutes by public transit from the normal part of San Francisco. Why am I telling you this? Because c- to do the jury duty, I have to wake up in the morning. Okay, that's a problem to begin with. Let's be honest. I have to get up. I really should bathe. And I have to put on pants. And I have to put on pants that aren't like the pants that I always wear, which, which, are, which are basically like filthy-looking hippie pants with holes in them because that's how I roll. I got to put on my nice jeans. I got two pairs of nice jeans. I don't wear khakis because khakis are stupid. And uh, also, if you accidentally pee a little bit, it's really obvious. And so I, I had, have to put on the blue jeans. I've got to put on a shirt, yes, with a collar. And then I got to get on the public transit, the Muni, as we say, and I got to go all the way to, to the normal part of San Francisco. And so that's, all, you know, that, that, that's, if, you, if you account for all of that, that's basically an hour because uh, it, it takes 30 to 45 minutes. And also, even though I live in the hinterlands, there's no seats on the train. So, so if I want to read Spider-Man, I'm, I'm behind some, some, some heavy guy with an Android phone and uh, a beard, you know. I don't know how they got out here. I mean, nobody really lives out here. But, uh, but boy, I get up, I do the showering and the pants, I get on, and, and, and by the time I arrive at the courthouse at 400 McAllister Street, I already feel dead. I've, I, I have already done more in that day than I do in a, any given single week, right? I'm not going to stand back here. I'm not going to act like I have a hard job because I don't. I don't have a job, and, and the hardest thing I have to do is what I'm doing right now. I'm not saying that to make you mad or jealous. I'm just telling you, I am not used to any aspect of that. So I go there. 
I have to be there at 9 or the judge gets all mad. He's a really sweet guy, by the way, the judge. I shouldn't talk about the judge, but he's a very nice guy. And so, uh, and so like, I'm an hour into that. And on top of it, you know, when I heard that I was going to do this and that I, I, I probably should have hardshipped my way out, and I'll tell you why, because I can't record the program. I can't pick up and drop off my daughter, boo-hoo. I'm missing, like, two weeks of a, a, a five-year-old summer that, that that we'll never get back. You know, that's done. That's gone. You know, you, you can't get a, a do-over or a rain check. So, you know, boo-hoo, but, but it, it, it bummed me out. Now, I'm throwing myself into it. I'm doing this every day. I, I, I leave the house at, like, you know, 7.30 or 8, and then I get home at, like, 5.30 or 6. And in between, I have to sit in a seat. <sighs> I can't talk about the case. But let's just say, if you know anything about trials, there's a lot of talking about the law. Sometimes they have to talk about money. Uh, sometimes they have to talk about things that where they can't even tell us what they're talking about. And then they can't tell us, they, they, they go off and they do the sidebar and they go, it's just like on LA law. They leave the room. We're all sitting there. We got to pee. They talk about something and then they come back and maybe something's different. Maybe something's not. We don't know what happened. Sometimes things happen. And then the judge who's super nice will turn to us and say, don't draw any conclusion from what did or didn't just happen. And I'm already losing my mind. I'm already really confused. Because the thing is, when you watch L.A. Law or, or one of the other uh, uh, programs about, uh, about trials and stuff, you know, you watch To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, you watch uh, uh, And Justice for All. You watch uh, that wonderful, uh, what's it called, A Few Good Men. Uh, you know, they condense the story a lot. My Cousin Vinny, another great, another great movie. That's where I learned Voidir. Uh it's very compressed. And so you get the thread about what's going to happen. You know, you understand there's a story to be told. And sometimes they can't tell you the story when it's a real trial, right? Because the whole idea is we're the ones who have to take all of these disparate facts, listen to what people say, evaluate it. And, and I'm wearing pants literally the whole time. You know, so it's restricting my freedom of movement. My knees hurt because I have to wear nice shoes. I mean, not, I don't own any super nice shoes. But, you know, when you wear nice shoes, it's not as comfortable as, uh, you know, podcasting shoes, which, which I can really recommend to people. So um, I don't know. Maybe I should have hardship my way out. But, but I kind of felt like I would be a real loser because, it, you know, God forbid, if I ever have to do anything, you know, uh, involving the courts, I really hope that the people who are there, you know, aren't reading Spider-Man comics. It's really hypocritical of me. But uh, it's, it, it's been really strange. Um, I don't, you ever have those days where you go somewhere? No, you, you guys probably already go places, so it's not really that weird. But I, sometimes I feel like I have these days that feel like they're three days long, where you go somewhere and you spend a lot of time someplace you've never been before. And in my case, I, you know, I usually have this really amazing sense of time. I almost always know like what time it is. I know how long something has taken. And if I may say, I'm usually pretty good at knowing how long it will take to do something compared to other people. And in this case, maybe it's the pants, maybe it's the lights, maybe it's the coffee or the, uh, or the lack of pee breaks. But I, I completely lose track of time. And you're not, oh, 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 here's the other thing. You're not supposed to play with your phone. You can't Google stuff. You, you, can't, you shouldn't check your uh, text messages. And so I'm always looking at the clock like I'm a crazy person. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I use the internet a lot for, for stuff that I do. And I'm, I'm very accustomed to being able to just kind of look at things. It occurs to me that I want to look something up on Wikipedia. If I do that here, I'm not following the admonishment. So anyway, it, it's completely bananas. But uh, I want to tell you about something I like. But, uh, but, but all I want to do is set, set this context for you, which is that sometimes something comes along that, that you may not be prepared for. And then that causes certain changes and upheavals. 
and I'm really trying hard to look at this in a way that is creative and positive and where I can figure out different sort of ways that I can make that change work for me. So I don't have a topic because, you know, Dan doesn't like me to have a topic, but uh, that's something I'm thinking about. I'm going to talk about something I like. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about the Shutterstock, Shutterstock.com, but uh, I'm going to read what it says right here. That uh, Shutterstock.com, you can find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. You can go in there and uh, sign up for a free account, no credit card needed, and you can immediately start searching around for stuff that might uh, interest you. It's a really cool service. And uh, the more I use it, the more I realize uh, for myself, well, two things, uh, because it's always two things with me. Um, First of all... um, I've, as I mentioned before, I, I love that uh, iPad app. And, uh, and if you go in and get one of these free accounts, you don't have to buy anything. You can still use this awesome uh, iOS app. And you can search around, find things that you like, and then add them to various light boxes. And a light box is just something you create that lets you gather images you're interested in. And then you can share that light box with people. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a great – they didn't tell us to say this – but it's a great inroad to using this service because it's, it's like a lot of iOS apps – that are built to a certain company's purpose. This one is actually really good. Uh, looking at you, Pandora. Um, but here's the other thing. Uh, back when I used to do things with images for, for my quote-unquote work, uh, I used to get uh, really frustrated at how crummy a lot of the stock art was. And it was very costly, and you'd get it, and it was mostly white guys shaking hands. Um, now, when they tell you, and I'm going to read this, when they tell you they've got stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips, they really do. Like, first of all, their stock photos, they're, they're adding stuff, new stuff every month, stuff that is, it is very, it's very varied. Uh, it, it doesn't all look the same. And it's all, uh, the metadata on all of it's really good, so you can go in and find things that really suit you. Um, as is my want, uh, this week I will post a uh, light box and share it with you that I did on Shutterstock.com uh, on the topic of jury duty. I found some really good ones. It looks like uh, old black and white photos. It looks like it used to only be uh, white guys with beards and mutton chops. Maybe that's how it should be. I- I've been admonished by the judge not to speculate on mutton chops, and I'm okay with that. Um, but here- here's the other thing I love is uh, when they talk about these uh, vectors and illustrations, they have all of these amazing – uh, images that you can that you can buy that are a whole bunch of icons um, and just little uh, vector images. So along the lines of something like you know our pal Jory who does the show art uh, puts out those wonderful uh, icon sets that you can buy. These are very very cool, and we're not talking about the kind of stuff that you would get out of a book in the seventies uh, or eighties that was just a bunch of clip art. This stuff is really beautifully done. So you can go out and find some beautiful integrated icon sets where everything looks super duper cool. Really, really great stuff. So the vectors, to be honest, are some of my favorite stuff. It's beautiful. Anyway, enough st- said uh, about Shutterstock.com. Go to Shutterstock. Now, here's the thing. You go to Shutterstock. Like I say, you sign up for one of these accounts. Like a gentleman, no credit card needed. You're in. Uh, but I have a feeling you're going to like this so much, you're going to want to buy some stuff. And when you do, when you do, go to Shutterstock.com. You can use the code Dan sent me six because this is the month of six. That's Dan sent me numeral six, and you'll get thirty percent off any package that you purchase from Shutterstock.com. They've got different packages you can get. Mm. And I, I would love for you to check them out. Uh, it helps us uh, on the program and the network, and it helps you. Uh, so go to Shutterstock.com. And uh, I am personally uh, very grateful to uh, Shutterstock.com for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. <sighs> Man, this is harder than I expected. Um, I, uh, Dan's not here, so I've got to kind of try to carry this on my own. And I, I don't really carry anything on my own. Anyway, uh, back to the pants. I got to tell you, when they, I, I got to tell you, when they said 
you are now on this jury. This very strange thing happened. And maybe it's because my ADD medicine was kind of tapering off for the day. Maybe it's because I needed to pee, but I suddenly felt this heaviness and this craziness, and my mind started racing. And uh, yes, on the one hand, I was kicking myself that I, as I realized all these things that, that I've already mentioned that I wouldn't be able to do for two weeks, um, my mind started racing. I felt this like extraordinary amount of anxiety, and I, I wanted to run out of the room. I, I'm serious. I mean, I'm 46, but like, I, I should be able to handle that and just go, hmm, this will be great. But I, I flipped. I, I just, I, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, <laughs> And I honestly thought I was going to have something like a breakdown because, you know, it's like one of those things, it's one of those uh, sixth sense type things where suddenly all these things race through your mind, you're putting things together. And uh, I don't know, it was, it, was, it was a long day and then I went home and I took off my pants and I tried to calm down. I had a beverage, I talked to my wife, not about the case because I've been admonished not to talk about the case. I wouldn't do that, um, but uh, I tried to calm down and and. By that evening, by Tuesday evening, I started trying to look at it differently because that's a thing that I do. I, I, you know, I don't know if this is uh, useful to other people, but when, when something comes along that really, I feel like really messes me up or really screws up my expectations and what I'm used to, um, I'm trying to, I have been for years now trying to get into the habit of getting a little bit of distance from that, trying to take a step back and say, okay, well, this situation is how it is. Um, I don't have a lot of control over that. Now, on the one hand, I could go off in this direction of saying, okay, how can I get out of this thing that, that, that's going to, quote unquote, screw me up? But, I mean, I could sit there and go like, okay, well, maybe I really will literally wear a rainbow wig and pee myself in a pair of uh, khakis because then they'd probably let me go and, you know, have one of the alternates come up. But uh, this is going to sound really corny, but I tried instead to think of it as a chance to do something differently, to do something creative. And uh, I don't know. I'm not sure it's completely working, but in addition to now settling into this horrible rhythm of having to be somewhere every day, and, you know, again, nothing against the jury system, nothing against the Superior Court of San Francisco. I'm glad this system exists, but it can be a little bit trying. There's a reason people try to get out of jury duty. But I, I, by by, uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I'd said, look, I said this to myself because I talk to myself sometimes. I said, I said, self, this is the thing you're going to do. Be a gentleman. But there's nothing to stop me from looking at this as something more than just a hindrance that's going to make me sad, mad, angry, anxious, and mad for two weeks. And so that's what I've been trying to do. Well, why am I telling you this? Well, because it's back to work, and this is the kind of stuff we talk about. But um, on any number of occasions, obviously, we've Dan and I have talked a lot about getting repotted, about having things happen to you that you didn't expect. And I always try to keep in mind that some of the coolest, some of the things that ended up being really, really cool in my life started out as something really, really stupid. Because I think that's kind of how life works, especially in the first world, as they say, right? I mean, you know... There, there are not that many things, unless something goes catastrophically wrong and I'm, ki- I'm like hit by one of these horrible streetcars that I ride on, um, you know, unless a safe falls on my head, like I'm Wile E. Coyote or something, mostly, you know, life's going to go on and, I'm, and you just do stuff, right? We don't, we, don't, we don't suddenly get, you know, run over by Jeeps and stuff like that. And so 
I don't know, maybe that's a kind of Kierkegaardian take on it. You know, you, uh, sickness unto death. You kind of, sometimes you wish that you could be consumed by your anxiety or your sadness or your sense of being off center. But um, I think there's always a way that you can try to see the opportunities in that kind of change. So I don't know. I've been thinking more about this. I mean, when I found out that, that we were going to have to do this show, uh, not have to do, we wanted to do this show, but that it was going to be impossible to schedule both of us, I sent Dan this list of ideas for different things we could do. Some of them were crazy. Uh, some of them were really normal. And this is what we ended up doing. So, you know, this may not be the greatest episode of the show. It certainly will not be the greatest episode of the show. But we're putting it out because I said, wait a minute. What if I, instead of thinking instead of thinking that we can't do the show at all, what if I take it and turn it? What if we look at different angles? What if we, did, in this case, don't both have to be there? What if I record it on the weekend, as I am doing right now? What if I uh, I try and just talk to you people like this? Uh, it's a very small example, but I got to tell you, the Tuesday afternoon afternoon version of me uh, being so bereft, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought of this. I would have thought, okay, I need to cancel everything in my life because because I'm sad about you know two weeks of wearing pants. Um, and then once I started thinking along those lines, I had some other ideas, and I realized that. I, I'm kind of interested in going back and uh, restarting this weird video thing I used to do called Most Days, where I make a video um, every morning. Uh, it, no, it's not Proust, but I haven't done one of those episodes in like, I think almost f- like four years because I've had other stuff to do. The other stuff that I had to do was part of that regularity that I had, that I could count on a schedule. I had not been repotted. And so it just kind of fell away. Well, now all of a sudden, I'm thinking about doing that again. Um, I'm thinking more about like, well, gosh, what's to stop me from going back and, and trying to write again? What's, what's to stop me from using these little pockets I, of time that I have over two weeks to try something different? Maybe I want to do more to try and schedule a specific time to hang out with my daughter. That gives my wife a break, and it gives me a chance to make sure that my daughter doesn't uh, completely grow up while I'm wearing pants downtown. Um, and then I started thinking, hey, you know, I don't actually get downtown that much. So I made a, a little list of restaurants and stores that I like to go to but don't get to go to that much because, again, I'm usually back here in the, in the hinterlands, here in my, in my western neighborhood, uh, not going downtown. Again, that comfort is a great thing, but in a way that I hadn't thought about, it's kept me from doing a lot of other things, going to Flax. Going to Jeffrey's Toys and Comics downtown. Going to the Espedis uh, Brazilian Charascura place, whatever it's called. The meat place. The meat on swords place. And, uh, and a funny thing happened. Once I opened the door to not just being sad about all that stuff, um, I'm not only like getting, I'm, you know, obviously I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating some of this. Uh, the jury duty thing now has become a lot more, how can I put this? It seems a lot less hopeless than it used to. Um, because now I don't feel like I'm stuck. I don't feel like I'm screwed. I feel like this is the thing that I've got to do, and then why don't I look at the opportunities that that presents? So I, I, don't, I don't know if that's useful to you, but it, it's definitely useful to me to be able to sit down and, and you know go from the Tuesday afternoon Merlin of, oh my God, I need to run out of this room, to going, hmm, I wonder if there's something that I could do a little differently. Uh, as a proximate result of this. So I don't know if this applies to you, except I'm pretty sure this applies to you. A lot of times um, I'll get 
uh, toots or DMs or I guess emails from people who, who uh, want to talk to me because something has happened in their life. They're upended. It could be that, you know, you know, it's usually not anything too dire, but it could be something like they suddenly had a job change of some kind. Maybe they got fired. It could be that something happened with their partner and they've got to move because of that person's job. But in any case, I, I encounter a lot of people who are a lot like that Tuesday afternoon Merlin of suddenly feeling this sense of panic and the sense of the world kind of closing down on them. And uh, ironically enough, the advice, I try not to give too much advice. I don't want to make people into a project that, that really annoys people. But um, sometimes the advice that I will give to those people is to, first of all, calm down. It's like I say to my daughter when she climbs a tree and gets stuck, the worst thing you can do is panic. Panic has never helped anybody. Sometimes you have to just sit and live with your panic in a way that, that uh, you know, John Roderick would probably advise. But then eventually you have to take the step back. Is this really that bad? You know, as, as Dan likes to say, I'm just a guy in a room. There's nothing really that bad going on. Uh, in my case, I'm just having to do what millions and millions of normal people do every day, which is put on pants and go to a part of town where they don't live. And it took a step back for me to really accept that, but I feel a little better. And what I say to my kids, I call them my kids, when they're, when they're going through these kinds of challenging times, is, is to do something similar where you say, well, if we take it as read that there's going to be this change coming along that you don't really have any control over, is there anything in that change, impossible as it might seem, when it's descending upon you? When you have a little bit of distance from that, even just a day or two later, what could be a good, a different or positive upside to that change? So, you know, <laughs> an obvious, very, uh, I guess, Dan Benjamin-y angle is like, if you quit or got fired or you know you're going to get fired, well, how do you let that become something that's, that spurs your creativity in sense of self-development, boy, that sounds douchey, rather than just making you feel like your life is over. Because again, back to Soren Kierkegaard, your life really isn't over. Your life is not over until you're dead. And until then, you just got to cope. And if you got to cope, you might as well try and cope in a way that's interesting. So if you're getting repotted, let's say you live in a big city, and now you've got to move to somewhere that's a small city. Well, are there any benefits to that that you want to start thinking about if, if you have a little bit of time? You know, uh, maybe you can buy a, uh, buy a house that's uh, less costly than the place where you are now that would be, would make you consider things like, do, do I want to change what's going on with the size of my family? Do I want to get dogs? <laughs> do I, um, do I need to think about what I won't have once I'm there? Are there certain kinds of things I can prepare for? Do I really need all of this stuff? Will I be near an airport? Why don't I find out if this airport goes to places where it might be less costly to go and visit friends that I haven't seen in a while? I know this all sounds bananas, and it might even sound like, as, as they say, whistling past the graveyard. But I think it's something that's really worth thinking about. If you're going from a small city to a big city, well, my goodness, why not think about stuff like, you know, are there activities that are available there that aren't available where you are? If you are going to have to do something like take public transit, well, maybe that's a chance for you to think about some stuff you'd like to read or some places you'd like to visit along the way. All I'm, all I'm saying is this. I mean, this is about jury duty, but it's kind of not. <sighs> These changes are going to come along. They always do. And, and to think that they're not is, is a dangerously un-Buddhist way to see the world because the changes do come along. But if you're prepared for the idea that those changes will happen in a way that, frankly, I was not on Tuesday afternoon, 
then I think it becomes a little easier or at least a little less difficult to try and find the things that might be serendipitous about that kind of change. And I, I, I can't give you specific examples of this that, that will apply to everybody here, but just think about it. And if, and if you need inspiration for what that can mean, just rewind a little bit. Uh, go pop the stack, as, as John Syracuse says. Go back to um, incidents in the past. And, and, you know, if you think about incidents from your past where you were, a big change was forced upon you, I bet there are, are at least a couple, because it's always two with me, very general things that happened. There are things that happened to you that were probably really, really bad and stayed really bad and made your life semi-permanently worse. Like the death of a loved one uh, can be a pretty bad thing. Wrecking your car with no insurance can be a really bad thing. Losing a finger in a bookbinding press. See, they just shouldn't even make books anymore. It's, it's a terrible idea. Uh, all of those things are permanently bad. But on the other hand, think about all of the things, and it might even just be a handful, but give yourself a little bit of distance to think about all those times when you got changed um, and it ended up being for the better, right? Maybe, maybe you know, in my case, a story that I've told a lot is if my um, personal relationships back in Florida had not been upended in the way that they were, I never would have moved to California and met my wife who became the mother of my child. That sounds really corny in retrospect, but I can promise you that the Tuesday afternoon version of me that existed in the late summer of 1999 would never in a million years have seen that as an opportunity. I I saw it as as a total dead end. And it's easy enough now to look back in retrospect and see something positive in that because I have positive things that came out of that. But if I'd stayed permanently closed to the idea that my life could be the same or better as a result of those changes that I didn't have that much control over once they got to that point, I wouldn't have done cool stuff. So, so what's, what's the lesson here? I, I, I can't say. I still got to go to jury duty. I still got to wear pants. I still got to uh, stand behind the guy with the Android phone on Muni every morning. And boy, does that ever suck. But I think if you wait for those moments to descend upon you, without the presence of mind of knowing that those kinds of things will descend upon you, I, I, don't, I think you're going to miss a lot of opportunities to do cool stuff. Again, very easy to say in retrospect, very difficult to put into practice because it sucks to be unhappy and it sucks to be thrown off center and it sucks to have to wear pants. But if you get into this habit of looking for those opportunities in change, I think a lot of good stuff can happen. This sounds like an article from Oprah, and like I'm going to just have to be okay with that. But I think that's something that I could really work on, and, and I bet it's something that you guys could really work on. This show would not exist if my career as an author and public speaker had stayed good. This show started, this show, which is now kind of my job in some ways, and, and kind of you know one of my favorite things I've done, to be honest, This show would never have started if things had kept going great for me. Because as with the comfort of not wearing pants in in my private office, I forget about the Brazilian restaurant and the comic store that I like downtown or don't have it top of mind. Um, I guess I'm realizing that that's a habit I want to start to build is being open to that. Because then I think a funny thing happens. It's very exhilarating to realize what you can survive. 
And it's really exhilarating to realize that those kinds of changes over which you have no control, while they will always come along, can always be seen as some kind of a small opportunity. And, and, and here's, the, here's the, the weird mixed part, I guess, is sometimes it will really just suck. Sometimes people die. Sometimes fingers get cut off. Sometimes bad crap just happens. But if it's going to happen anyway, like why not figure out some way to either make it something that benefits you, something that makes you more creative, or something that gives you hope for the good possibilities of change, even in the face of something that's really annoying. Now, now, admittedly, this is all really dramatic because I'm just talking. It's, it's just jury duty. It's just it's like having a job. I feel silly even complaining about it, but uh, I did want to kind of whine about it. But I also wanted to try and find some functional component, as you say, and how it might be useful. So the closest thing I have to useful is to um, is to think about how those changes uh, might benefit you, or maybe more importantly, how changing your attitude about unexpected upheaval uh, could potentially make you a more positive person and make you a more creative person, maybe to the point where you don't need an upheaval to think about the stuff you'd like to be doing, right? You get forced to think about change when it's already too late to do anything about it. And God knows, I, every day I face that because I'm not a great planner and I, I don't think ahead that far sometimes. But what if you got into the state of mind of starting to think about your quality of life, what if you started thinking about, wow, I wonder if these kinds of opportunities ever came along, what kind of things would I like to do? I mean, underscore, I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying uh, get fired. I'm not saying cut off your finger. I'm just saying, what if you got in the habit of thinking, along the lines of the life hack stuff, what if you got in the habit of thinking, I'm going to be more mindful about what's going on. I'm going to be more in the state of mind of thinking about stuff I'd like to be doing differently. Do I want to keep in touch with a certain set of people better? Do I want to exercise more or read more or eat better, you know? Or do I want to wait until the doctor says, I'm going to have a heart attack if I don't change my diet, you know? I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just trying to say there are probably things in your life where this sort of thing could help. I hope you can learn from my jury duty. <sighs> you know, I'm going to have to probably report back. I'm sure you'll be, you'll be on the edge of your seat waiting to, uh, waiting to hear how this goes, but um, uh, I'm looking at it as a positive change because that's just kind of how I roll. I'll tell you about something else I like. Uh, I really like uh, this thing called 1Password, which is made by a wonderful company called Agile Bits, uh, whom I like a lot. And I, I work with them. I've done work uh, with them in the past for money and stuff. But um, the whole reason I was ever interested in working with them is because I am an ardent fan of their apps. Uh, for years, I've been using 1Password on the Mac desktop. And uh, of course, uh, in the fullness of time, they made that an iOS app. And that's what I want to tell you about today, this uh, 1Password for iOS I believe it's version four, is just, it's the best. Um, you know, there's been announcements about uh, the future of password management um, on the various Apple platforms. I'm very happy to hear those things. I, I personally, they didn't tell us to say this, I personally think that's an overdue change, and I'm really glad that it's getting people to think about the idea of, you know, at least latching the screen door, being a little bit better about your password maintenance. But that's the thing. One password is a lot more than just a place to store your passwords. Yes, it will help you generate really awesome bananas, individual passwords for every website, every, every anything. You know, you can store information for your router on there. You can put in a secure note that's got, uh, you know, like that David Sparks, uh, D Sparks from the uh, Max Sparky uh, Mac podcast workflow show. You know, he talks about as being an attorney, ugh, again with the attorneys, he keeps really private stuff about client work locked up tight inside of 1Password. It's a great app to explore. 
uh, they have, you know, they call it the, the, the vault, right? You got all the stuff that you can put in there. It syncs between all of your devices. Um, the strong password generation is huge. The ability to not have to remember all these passwords or to fall into that bad habit of just uh, trying to uh, come up with one or two, three uh, basic shake and bake passwords. It, it's, it's, it's not a, a great idea. But finally, this one password for iOS. It's got a built-in browser that is just crazy great. Uh, you can go in and basically you can log into to any site out there. It's got a full browser right inside of it. You can go wherever you want, and whatever your credentials are for the site you're on, it will fill that in for you. And, and, and here's the neat trick, is that if you're in Safari on iOS and you click into the location bar and you type the letters OP in front of the HTTPA or HTTPS, uh, it will open that website inside of 1Password and you'll be able to go in and do all of your business. It's really uh, astonishing. And uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to mention this. Uh, I was uh, a guest, honored to be a guest on the One Password podcast um, in the past week or so with my friends Stu and Chris. And I, I really recommend you checking it out because we talked about a lot of the stuff that I'm mentioning here in much more detail. They taught me some tricks that I, I didn't even know about, ways that you can slide across a login and just grab, copy out the password. You know, it drops the password from the uh, from the, the pasteboard in like 90 seconds, so it stays secure. It's not just sitting there on your clipboard. Um, but I really, really like these guys. I like this site. Uh, I like this service and product, and I think it's something that's going to be around for a long time. Uh, it's something that I'm going to keep using regardless of what happens in the future because it's become a huge part of my workflow. I can't imagine not using it, and I would love for you guys to check it out. Why do we keep saying this? Well, we're paid to say this, but it's also astonishing to me that with so many of the things we talk about, we still encounter people. Dan and I encounter people every day who say, I can't believe how many times I got annoyed hearing about you talk about this thing, and I never thought to try it. And then they do, and then, like us, they become ardent uh, fans and evangelists for it. So uh, please go and check out uh, 1Password for iOS. You can get it on the uh, App Store, uh, the iTunes Store. Uh, you can also go to agilebits.com to learn more about it. Uh, it's a terrific, uh, terrific team making a really great product. And I'm uh, honestly proud to be associated with them. They're good people. So um, my, my thanks to uh, Agile Bits and 1Password for uh, supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. <sighs> okay, I'm going to keep this one kind of short because Dan's not here. You know, it, it would be dishonest of me to make a 90-minute show if there's only one of me, one of us here. So uh, I, I think I will, you know, kind of keep it on the short side. I don't think there's any uh, too much of anything else I have to bring up. I, uh, I should probably get some nicer pants, you know. Um, I, like I say, I've only got the two kind of nice pairs of jeans, and I, and I rotate them. But, you know, that's, that's not... Uh, that's not responsible. That's not grown up. I, I, I should get some nice jury pants, you know, something maybe loose. You know, m- maybe I could get like a formal sweatpant, something where I still have freedom of movement. Uh, honestly, I'd like to have a catheter because I don't like having to be uncomfortable and look at the clock because cause my dingus wants to go ahead to the men's room. Um, but just some, I guess, I guess just some tips. This is not prepared. Uh, but, but, you know, some tips to have. I think if you're going to do jury duty, though, you should pick a favorite uh, a urinal in the bathroom, if you're a man. And if you're a woman, you might still want to pick a favorite urinal. I think habits are important. I think going outside and getting in the sunshine, if you have sunshine, is a good idea. Um, I'm trying to eat better. Oh, here's an example. Like, I eat crap every day, right? So what am I doing here? I have a salad for lunch. I have a salad for lunch, and I feel better. I feel better because I'm not sitting there horking down all this, this horrible uh, food that I would normally eat, again, an opportunity for change, uh, and, uh, and, and listen to all the admonishments. 
you know, honestly. Don't, 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 don't Google uh, facts of the case and, uh, and, and try and pay attention. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Should I have hardshipped out of it? I feel like that would have been kind of lame. But, uh, you know, I'm in. I mean, I believe in the system. You know, it would be nice if you didn't have to wear, uh, wear pants, but, uh, but I guess that would be unprofessional, and I probably shouldn't read Spider-Man. Anyway, uh, I, I, guess, uh, I guess I want to button this up. So um, I love you. I do. I love you. See you next week. <laughs>